And all people say it. Amen and amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's hold them up, or electronic device with a Bible on it. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand, powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, and help me forgive. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look at your neighbor and say, Whew, you are good looking today. Don't start going negative on us now. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we say we want to say something positive? Well, he ain't talking about me. I don't. <laughs> it's funny how we're how we're wired and geared in it. Continuing our series, the real F word, forgiveness. Uh, dealing today with a very difficult topic, probably the most difficult of the series. Any of you familiar with the Lord's Prayer? What you've heard and grown up living is the Lord's Prayer. Um, in Luke 11, Matthew 6, uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, or hallowed be your name. You ever wondered what hallowed means, or hallowed means? It's, all it means is that God's name is holy. God's name is holy. And then the prayer goes on to say, May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins just as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm sure you've heard that many, many times. But did you ever catch what's in the middle of that prayer? So sometimes we just kind of right through it. Forgive us our sins just as we forgive others. In your outline, I put that there, just that little phrase. Luke 14, 11, 4. Forgive us our sins just as we forgive those who sin against us. That's hard, isn't it? Let's be honest, it's hard. It's hard to forgive other people. Because they inflict pain on us. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about forgiving ourselves. We also talked about receiving forgiveness from God and understanding how great that forgiveness has been. But today, again, I think probably the most difficult issue in forgiveness is that's forgiving others. But the Bible says just as God has forgiven us, then we must also forgive others. Though it's hard to do, I think it's one of the reasons that we can really grow in our heart with God, in our life with God, is if we learn to do that. If we learn to extend that forgiveness. And so often it's just misunderstood. So I've listed in your outline several things that forgiveness is not. The first one is, forgiveness, forgiving others is not justifying their actions. If you've been harmed in the past, if you need forgiveness from someone, you don't have to justify their actions. You don't have to say, well, they're under a lot of pressure. They're under a lot of stress in life. Uh, I mean, they didn't really mean it that way. Don't justify what they've done. Number two, forgiving others is not trusting the passage of time. You ever listen to that myth, time heals all wounds? <laughs> the passage of time doesn't make things any better. It doesn't. Time just passes. 
There's a way to get rid of it, but this isn't it. Number three, forgiving others is not denying that you were hurt. It's not saying, oh, it didn't hurt, it doesn't really matter, I didn't even notice. You know, guys are notorious for this. Guys are notorious. They always want to appear tough. No. Uh, water off a duck's back. No. Didn't affect me at all. And then in their down moments, in their quiet moments, they stew about it, don't they? Remember we talked about stewers and spewers? <laughs> I mean, guys say, nobody hurts me. And sometimes it's, it's really a small thing, but it hurts. It hurts. It's like a splinter. You ever get a splinter in your hand? And especially if it's real little. And, and you, can, you can't really feel it until you kind of rub your hand over, your finger over it, and then you feel it, and then it hurts, and then you're going, I need that out of there. And then you try to find a way to get it out of there, and you have to kind of dig it out of there. And it, it creates more problems. But if you never take it out, it's going to affect a lot more than just the little spot it's in. Amen? Then number four, forgiving others is not confronting them personally. It's not going up to them and grabbing them by the shirt, shaking them around, saying, give me an apology. <laughs> Even though we want to do that. Amen? Or am I the only one? There's times I want to grab them and just shake them and say, you're going to apologize and you're going to do it right now or I'm going to knock you out. You know, or something silly like that. Forgiveness is not seeking revenge and getting in their face as much as we want to do that. Forgiveness is not any of those things. So what does it mean to really forgive others? How can we forgive others just as God has forgiven us? Well, there's only one place to go to find out how to do that, and that's in the Scripture. It's in the Bible. We're a Bible church. I'm a Bible preacher. Our answers that we need are in the Bible. Can you say amen? That's right, they are. Don't listen to Oprah. Don't listen to Dr. Phil. Don't listen to Reader's Digest. Don't read your horoscope and listen to what it says. Don't call 1-800-CALL-ME-MAN. Don't, don't, don't go to Jamaica. Go to the Scripture. Go to the Word of God. Because the Bible has a lot to talk about related to forgiveness. And there's a process in the Bible that we're going to talk about today. So, I want to challenge you to make this personal. So, the very first thing we need to do is remember... Now, you might say, that's right, I'm not ever going to forget what that... No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. We need to remember how great a forgiveness we've received. How great a forgiveness we've received. I mean, I've been forgiven a lot of stuff. If you knew my past, you would say, oh, you shouldn't be a preacher. If you knew my past, if you knew some of the choices I made and the decisions I made. In fact, I like what Jeff prayed earlier. He said, God, would you just forgive us for what we've blown in the last hour? My mind immediately went to, how about the last 15 minutes? Because <laughs> sin can affect our thought life. You see what I'm saying? But we've been forgiven a lot. God's forgiven a lot. Remember the story of the prodigal son we talked about a couple weeks ago? You know who the prodigal son is? It's you and me. It's us. We're the ones that chose to walk away from God for a season and come back to God. And we're the ones that did that. That's why the story was written. That's why it was put in there. So that we could see ourselves. 
And when we came back, what did we find? We found a loving God who was ready to take us back unconditionally. He didn't ask us to pay a dime to come back, did He? He just said, come on. In fact, we're going to throw a party. Come on. <laughs> How? My grandkids, when they come over, first thing that Braden says is, outside, outside. He wants to go outside. And I keep telling him, why do you want to go outside? There's bugs out there. Outside, outside. He doesn't understand any of that. So we went outside. And all they did was ring around the rosy and fell on the ground. And that little dude, when he falls, he throws his legs up in the air and lands on that bottom. And I was hurting just watching him. Then he climbs up and does it again. I thought, that boy lost his mind. But when you're two, two and a half, that's fun. And little sister makes it even more fun. But you see, we've been forgiven a lot. God has an amazing capacity to forget. I wish I did. Don't you? I wish I could forget. God does, and I, and I appreciate that. In fact, Isaiah one eighteen is a great verse. Come, let us talk this over, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sin, I can, it should say take, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you white as wool. Wow! That's pretty good. If there's anything I hate, it's trying to get blood, crimson color, out of carpet. Any of you? I don't care what you try. I don't care what the TV commercial looks like. Put that OxyClean on there. Look at it disappear. Right. I put OxyClear on there and it just spreads to bigger spots. Obviously, I'm not doing it right. But I'm glad God knows how to do it right. But we've got to understand that God's forgiven us. And He's forgiven us a lot. And you got to get that step down first before anything else can happen, and especially before you can forgive others. you got to get that part down. That God has forgiven you, God has forgiven me in an abundant way. But maybe one of the reasons why it's hard for us to forgive another person is because we just don't understand that. So what I'm going to do is I've got a song that Sam's going to play here in just a second. It's a great song. Words will be up on the screen. It's a song by Matthew West. And I want you to do two things while you're hearing this song. First, first I want God to remind you. Just go ahead and let it play. Go ahead and let it play. I want God to remind you. Let's go ahead and bring the volume down. That would help a lot. Okay. We want God to remind you. Go ahead and stop the song. We'll start it up in just a minute. We want God to remind you during this, this short time here of how great the forgiveness is in your life. And then secondly, go ahead and stop the song so we can restart it. And then the second thing I want you to do is to think of somebody that you need to extend forgiveness to. Okay? So, how have I been forgiven and how's God leading me to forgive somebody else? Okay, Sam, let's play the song now. That's not it. Forgiven is the song that you should play. Go ahead and give it a little volume if you don't mind. 
bring the words up, please? There we go. It's the hardest thing to give away, and the last thing on your mind today. It always goes to those who don't deserve. It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they cause is just too real. Takes everything you have to say the word forgiveness. It's always anger's own worst enemy. Even when the jury and the judge say you got a right to hold a grudge, it's the whisper in your ear saying set it free. Forgiveness. Set a prisoner free. There is no end to what its power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really frees is you. Amen. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. you've been forgiven? Did you think about somebody you need to extend that to? As I prepared this message this week, my goodness, I didn't realize how many names I had in my list that I needed to release. 
but it's been very, very, very good to do. Matthew 18 is a great story. It's been called the parable of the unforgiving servant. And the way the story goes in that chapter is that the king has owed a lot of money. Guy owes him millions of dollars. Let's just use that as a figure. And uh, the king calls in everybody that owes him uh, money. And so he says to this guy, hey, you owe me millions, so uh, you need to pay up. And he says, well, I don't have the money. The king says, well, I'm going to throw you and your wife and your children into prison then. I mean, that's what they did in those days. It's kind of like if you miss your credit card payment nowadays, amen, they'll throw you in prison. Well, not quite, but it's what it feels like. So the guy falls on his knees and he cries out to the king, oh, king, be patient with me. I will pay it back. Now, I don't know about you, but paying back a million dollars would be something that I'm not sure I could do. But the king, you know, relents, feels pity on the man as you read the story. And he says, you don't owe me anything. Your debt's forgiven. So he goes off and leaves, and he feels great. He's had that burden lifted. And while he's walking down the street, he sees a guy that owes him hundreds of dollars. And he grabs the guy by the neck, and they could do that then, and shake him down. And they could do that then. That, was, that wasn't against the law. So they start shaking him down. He wants his money back, and he's going to shake it out of the guy until he gets it. <laughs> and the king hears about this. And so, in fact, that guy even has his, that guy owes him hundreds, he has his family thrown into prison himself. But the king hears about it, brings the guy back, and he says, hey, look, I forgave you of millions, and you couldn't forgive this guy of hundreds. And so, I'm going to put you in prison. In fact, in Matthew 18, and the king called to the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison until he had paid every penny. And the story doesn't end there. Jesus says, That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters in your hearts. Wow. It's pretty strong language. Well, we've got to understand the power of forgiveness. Do you have somebody in mind that you need to forgive? I bet you do. I bet from the very moment that I started preaching this morning, you were thinking of somebody. If not, maybe you are now. Because see, oftentimes, all we've got to do is just mention this idea, and you begin to play back through your mind what happened. It could be someone that's, committed infidelity toward you, somebody, a lover, a spouse that's hurt you, a parent who's abused or molested you, a friend who betrayed you, perhaps somebody at work who unjustly criticized you. Whatever it is, whatever we're talking about here, and whatever you're feeling is very personal. How do you forgive others? Well, that first step is to remember how much I've been forgiven, and then the the key to the second, pro- the second process, or I said the second key to the whole process, and the best key to the whole process is number two, and that's release. Release the person entirely, because releasing is all about your decision. It's your decision. Forgiveness is always a choice. I read this week that holding a grudge is like po- drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. <laughs> Let me give you some practical ways to release a person entirely. Now, these aren't biblical. They're not unbiblical. But 
They come from psychology, and I'll let you wrestle with that. But there's two or three that I think really are helpful. I've used them in my own life, and they really are helpful. The first one is write a letter to the person. And I mean let, the, let, the, let it flow through the pen to the paper and just write. If you write 1,000 pages, that's fine. You get all that out, whatever you wanted to ever say to them, you write that letter. Then you fold it, seal it in an envelope, and never mail it. Put it in a drawer. Put it in a drawer. I tell you, it, it, it can bring freedom to your life that you've never experienced before. Another one is an empty chair. It's a great one. Set an empty chair in front of you and then act like that person's there and just have it out with them. If you want to reach over and slap them, well, just reach over and slap them because there's nobody there to actually slap, but you know what, you see what I'm saying. It's that empty chair. And then a third one is somebody has harmed you, get a picture of them, set the picture on the table, and just tell them. Now, I had a very personal experience with all this. When I was in college, I was a very angry young man, and I never quite understood what that meant. And why I was angry. But I had a lady, because I, I would always say, well, I'll never be like my dad. And I had a lady get in my face who didn't know my dad, but she said, you're probably just like him. Well, that, that made me madder than still. And she said, here's what you need to do. So she made a suggestion, and that was, I said, well, he's dead. She said, well, go to the cemetery and have it out with him. I thought, really? I'm going to go stand in the cemetery, just me out and yelling at somebody? They'll come and lock me up for being nuts. But you know what? I did that. Drove two and a half hours home, went and stood by his grave, and let him have it. I assume it was his grave. It wasn't marked. I don't know who it was I was yelling at, but anyway, I let him have it. And you know what? I never felt better, and I've never looked back since. I have a picture of my dad in my home. I'm the only one, only uh, son and daughter that has a picture of him in our home. I'm the only one. But it was so therapeutic for me. Because, see, I gave up my right for repayment. Write that down. It's not in your outline, so write that down somewhere. You're giving up your right when you release them for repayment. Let it go. If somebody comes to borrow money and you don't have it to give away, don't even enter the transaction. Because you're going to sit and hold a grudge waiting for them to pay you, and they're never going to pay you. May I say that one more time? They will never pay you. Oh, yes, I will. No, you won't. Just think how much money you've borrowed over the years that you've never paid back. Give it away. If you can't give it away, don't enter the transaction. Amen? You'll keep brothers and sisters together. You'll keep them together. If your family member comes and wants to borrow money, number one, don't do it. Because it will divide your family. Don't do it. There's a reason why they don't have the money. But I love this because it, it, it gives up your right for repayment, and that's really, really important. And, and it also, secondly, releases your rights to revenge. <laughs> Because see, part of it is we want repayment and we want revenge and we want that pound of flesh and here we're going to wait. See, sometimes God lets you see that 
Based on what this verse says, Romans 12 says this, Never pay back evil for anyone, for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For it's written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. Sometimes He lets you see that. But oftentimes He doesn't. And there will be a time when they'll pay a price. People who are evil right now in this world have a chance to come to the Lord. They have that choice to come to the Lord if they're evil. But if they're not, if they don't, God's going to take care of that. It's not your business, not my business. Just relax. Just take it easy. Well, man, they're stealing me blind. It's okay. There's going to be something stolen from them later that <laughs> they wish they had. Release or rehearse. It's your choice. It's your choice. So, that's a big step to release them. Back to your notes number three, recognize. Now you're ready to recognize God's purpose for the process. See, God has a purpose. And that's step number three. But you can't recognize the purpose in the process until you first release the person. Until you do that, you won't ever recognize what God's trying to do. There's a much maligned verse that people use for everything and it never usually is used properly. But Romans 8.28. People say, when something goes wrong, people will look at the verse and say, all things are good. That's not what God says. Because all things aren't good. The verse says, God works all things together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. You see, the verse is very important uh, because it points to an understanding of God's purpose in the process that we're, we're involved in. See, that hurt that you've experienced in the past is not good. That molestation that you've gone through in the past is not good. The pain that you've gone through is not good. This verse doesn't say God says all things are good because all things are not good. Because God understands that we live in a broken and a sinful world. Things happen. And if we don't understand it, it becomes so tempting for us to turn and blame God for anything that happens wrong against us. Well, you said it would never happen. He didn't say it. He didn't say it. And there's so many people angry at God, and they're going to stay away from God because they're so mad at God. And God didn't do anything but love you and die for you. Hmm. Let's release that person. Then God can then begin to miraculously bring good out of the bad. If you don't believe me, even in the early chapters of the Bible, there's a great story in the book of Genesis, chapters 47 through 50, about Joseph. You know the guy. He was young, and brothers didn't like him because his father picked him over them, and so they decided to get rid of him. They threw him in a pit, and then here comes some uh, uh, caravan guys, and they sold him into slavery, and... Off he goes, and they put the money in their pocket. They go back and tell Dad that the boy fell in the pit and died, and Dad's in mourning, and it goes from bad to worse because then he gets sold in, in slavery, and then he ends up in jail. And while he's in jail, he begins to interpret dreams, and he ends up being the right-hand man to the Pharaoh. And then a famine happens. And that country, right next door where the brothers are, they need some, they need some help, and 
where Joseph is in Egypt, he had sat back. They had prepared for the famine. And so the brothers show up to get food. They didn't know who Joseph was at first, but you see, something miraculous had happened in Joseph's life. He had worked through the process of forgiveness. And so rather than commit them to jail to have them killed, which he could very well have done because of his position, he then takes care of them and loves them and cherishes the fact that they're back together as brothers. But Joseph told them, Genesis 50, Joseph told them, don't be afraid of me. Am I God? To judge and punish you? As far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to the high position that I have today, look here, so that I can save the lives of many people. Would you underline that phrase, God turned it into good? God turned it into good. Don't forget that. It doesn't say God called it good. It doesn't say God named it good. It says God turned it into good. And that's the miracle of forgiveness. Is He can take a bad thing and turn it into something good. God can birth purpose out of pain. Now, the first three steps are mandatory. You can't go past to four and five until you've done one, two, and three. But when you've done one, two, and three... Can't skip any of them. Then you can get to number four, which is reestablish. But that's conditional. The other three mandatory. This one's conditional. Reestablishing a relationship. There's a great book by Charles Stanley called The Gift of Forgiveness. And in that book, he teaches that forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same. You ever heard that? Forgive, forget, restore. But they're all different. Each one of those is different. There are times when you should not reconcile with a person who's hurt you. Because, you know, if they hurt you, they may turn right around and hurt you again if they don't see what they've hurt you. So why reestablish the relationship? You can release them, you can forgive them, you can move through that process, but you don't have to reestablish that relationship. Because it may be toxic for you. I've got people in my life that will be toxic for me to reestablish a relationship with them. So I don't. But I've released them. Boy, this week I did a lot of that. <laughs> it's been it's been tough. I've had some of the empty chairs. I've had some of the picture. I've had some of the letter writing sessions. Yeah. But sometimes... We can't reestablish that relationship, but, but then there are times when we can. And those are, those are really powerful times when we can do that. But let me explain the process. In Romans 12, 21, it says, Don't let evil get the best of you, but conquer evil by doing evil. Isn't that what it says? <laughs> well, that's kind of how we read it sometimes, isn't it? No, it goes, don't let evil get the best of you, but conquer evil by doing, what is it? Good. Do good. What's it mean to do good? Even if you can't reestablish a relationship, that's the ultimate good. Reestablish the relationship. But if you can't, you can still act in a good way toward that person. You don't have to be ugly. You don't have to be nasty. You don't have to speak harsh of them. 
Just reestablish where you can, and if you can't, you can't. Don't worry about it. But verse 18 of chapter 12, I think, is powerful. It says, do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as is possible. So, do your part. Can't force them to do their part. You do your part. And then as much as is possible in you, reestablish. Reconnect. But if you can't, let it go. Don't, don't, don't reconnect. And you're okay with that. You're really okay with that. I'm going to give you freedom to do that. It's okay. And then the last phase is repeat. Repeat the process. You ever read the back of a shampoo bottle that says, wash, rinse, and repeat? Now, I don't know about you, but why do I need to wash it two, three times? I mean, some people use the whole bottle. They wash, they rinse, they repeat. They wash, they... Amen? Usually I shoot through one thing and I'm done. I'm not going to repeat that. don't have time. I mean, I don't want to walk out looking like a poodle. You know what I'm saying? Not that my hair would flare up like that anyway. I haven't got that much. But it's the process of forgiveness. It's the same way. You go through the process the rest of your life. You repeat. You're going to run into people that you're not going to get along with. They're going to hurt you. Okay, then you go through the process. You see what I'm saying? It's a continual thing. And as we leave today, on the back of your connection card, now is when I want you to pull that out. The second item I have listed on the back is you'd put a check mark by there and you'd say, I'm choosing today to forgive and just put some initials there. I don't want you to put yours. I want you, maybe you're forgiving yourself. But if it's somebody that you need to forgive. Now again, what I use this for is that I pray for you and then I pray that God will help you. He'll help Harold forgive these two initials. And I, and I repeat the initials. Because that's what's important. So if you're willing to do that, if you just put those in there. Just put those initials in there. I don't want a name. I don't want you to, I don't want you to write it in blood. I don't want you to cut through the paper writing so hard. <laughs> just, just put a couple of initials in there. God knows who they are and you do too. But it gives me a chance to pray for you related to that. And I'll collect these at the end. So don't get rid of them. Let you stew a little bit. Let you think a little bit. See who you want to put in there. Peter was an interesting person in, among the disciples. And he comes to Jesus one day and he says, Jesus, how many times do we have to forgive another person? And Jesus, of course, you know, he knew the law meant seven times. And Jesus says, well, in Matthew 18, 22, 70 times seven. Now, if you're an engineer, you're sitting there, that's 490 times. <laughs> I mean, if you're a mathematician, it's 490 times. So that's all you got to do is 490 times and you're, and you're absolved, right? No, it's not the intent of it. What Jesus was talking about was how many times should you forgive others? How many times, here's the better question, how many times do you want God to forgive you. Because once you become a believer, evidently you don't stop sinning. <laughs> I still have sin. still struggle with it. still battle it every day. How many times do you want God to forgive you? Matthew 6. In your notes. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not 
forgive our sins. Man, that's strong. That is strong language. It's a big issue. God desires what's best for us. I am convinced that forgiving others and forgiveness and getting that right in your life is the most important piece that you'll do in your whole life. If you get it done right, you do the process right, oh my goodness, how much freer you will be. Because see, if you don't do it, bitterness can set in. And bitterness, left unchecked and left not taken care of, can create unhealthiness in us. We can develop tempers, irritability, uh, sleeplessness, obsession with getting even, uh, depression, isolation, negative attitudes, this great feeling of there's some disease over me, I just don't feel good, I don't feel right. But when you choose to forgive another person, you find freedom. So my challenge today is to choose freedom. Choose to forgive. And our verse that we read earlier, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and loving to each other. Actually, there's 29 that we read. This one is even more powerful. Be kind and loving to each other and forgive others just as God forgave you in Christ. So if for no other reason we need to learn to forgive people and let it go, because Jesus did that for us. Jesus did that for us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for how much you've forgiven me. And today, God, I I want to extend forgiveness. I've got a list of people that I've talked to you about this week, and I'm sure people here today have an initial that they've put on the back of their card or if they haven't, they've at least got initials in their, in their mind. So God, I'm, I'm giving them to you, forgiving them. Not going to hold a grudge another day. Not going to give it another thought. God, show me the action I need to take to reestablish the relationship, if I can. Help me to forgive as much as you have forgiven me. In Jesus' name, amen. We have an invitation hymn we always have every Sunday and want to encourage you. And it's, I love this song. Just as I am. God never expects you to come completely healed and, and, and complete. He wants you to come like you are. Broken. In need. Because He's ready to heal that up. Patch that all up. Amen. So if you have a decision, maybe you just need some prayer. I don't know what it is in your life, but whatever it is, why don't you let God help you with it today as we stand and sing this hymn of invitation.